Welcome to the Women in Public Policy Program Seminar Series Podcast at the Harvard Kennedy School. Let's go ahead and get started. We've got, a, we've got another terrific uh, presentation to close our semester uh, today. Um, uh, my name is Hannah Riley Bowles. I'm research director here at the Women in Public Policy Program where we are committed to uh, closing gender gaps in economic and political participation, health and education, and this uh, seminar, our weekly seminar, uh, contributes to that mission by um, providing all sorts of different perspectives on uh, on gender gaps and how we might address them. And this is a particularly fascinating study today. Um, uh, Lisa Muge, um is our presenter. She's going to talk about gender and ethnicity in parliamentary representation. Uh, Lisa is a fellow with us this year, but also an assistant professor of political science at the University of Amsterdam. She's also the associate director of the Amsterdam Research Center for Gender and Sexuality and co-convenes the standing group um, on gender and politics of the European Consortium for Political Research. She's like a model of one of these scholars who's bridging uh, practice, and we're delighted to have you here. And this, um, this paper that you're going to present today is actually part of a stream of research, right, about kind of the gendered um, representation of ethnic minorities in Parliament, yeah. right? Wonderful. Thank you very much. Please join me in welcoming. Thank you so much, Hannah, for this kind introduction, and thank you, Webb, for hosting me as a fellow here this year. It has been really wonderful so far and very productive. Um, what I will present today are the results of a first project uh, paper, um, which is part of uh, my research, uh, funded by the Netherlands Organization for Scientific Research. It's a three-year grant, and it started in January. And before I go into the details of this first um, uh, project paper, I would like to share with you the overall uh, aim of um, the project. So the overall theme is political representation and uh, diversity uh, in national parliament. And par parliamentary representation of disadvantaged groups matters. Uh, well, first of all, this is... Uh, an issue of social justice, everyone deserves an equal voice, but um, previous research also confirmed that uh, political representation of groups close to the share of the population is fundamental for societal cohesion, political stability, and uh, the overall functioning of um, democracy. Um, in European um, political science research, there is a lacuna um, in scholarship on political representation, and it focuses so far on either women or ethnic minorities. And as a consequence, they have studied groups as internally homogeneous and studied only one relevant identity for political um, uh, representation. Um, so, for instance, the question, does political in and exclusion work in similar ways for ethnic minorities and women? This is what political scientists assume so far, but this has not been studied yet. Moreover, if you look at ethnic minorities and women, those two categories are not mutually exclusive because everyone has a gender and everyone has an ethnicity. I also need to stress that uh, while research on political representation of women is very well established, 
scholarship on the political representation of immigrants um, and what immigrants are referred to um, ethnic minorities with a non-Western background um, is still a fledgling uh, <coughs> field. So the central aim of my research agenda is to understand real-world uh, political representation through considering gender and ethnicity simultaneously, focusing on its um, intersection. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with the concept of intersectionality, but Ange Marie Hancock in an um, uh, article of 2007 very nicely makes a distinction between the unitary approach, the multiple approach, and the intersectional approach. So whereas the unitary approach focuses on, for instance, women, the multiple approach would focus on women and ethnic minorities, but the intersectional approach focuses on on, on, on uh, for instance, ethnic minority women. So it raises all, a whole bunch of new questions about uh, political representation. And um, my particular interest is uh, the effects of formal uh, and informal institutions, such, such as the electoral uh, system, recruitment and selection procedures, and uh, networks. These factors, obviously, and their impact vary. Um, uh, by country, uh, my focus um, and research so far has been on uh, the Netherlands. But for the discussion, I would be very interested to hear whether you recognize the patterns um, I sketch um, in the presentation based on the cases you are uh, familiar with and first and foremost, um, the US. So let me first sketch the picture in um, the Netherlands. So if we look at figure, uh, one, those are the number of ethnic majority um, uh, members of Dutch Parliament per session. And I started in 1986 uh, because that's the year in which the first ethnic minority um, person took office in, in Parliament. Those are the ethnic majority uh, members. And you see that around in the, in the last session, 2010-2012, it was around uh, 35, 37% of, of women. But if we look at ethnic minorities of uh, Dutch Parliament per session, it, you see that in the, in the early years it was only men, but in the period between 98 and 2010, the majority, almost 80% of all ethnic uh, uh, minority members of Parliament were women. And in the session 2010-2012, it was around 50%. And in the current session, it's also around 50%. Uh, so compared to ethnic majority, uh, gender gaps in descriptive representation are smaller than among ethnic minority uh, groups. Uh, what percentage of the, <coughs> of, the t of, the, of, of the total parliament do made, is made up by women? Uh, 37%. Currently. Has that yes. number over the years increased or decreased? Yes. You, th this, is the, this is the increase. So in 86, um, right, right, right. Th those were the women and those were the men. The, so the dark bar are men and the light gray bar are women. Those are, that's ethnic minority. I was, I was wondering over. This is overall women. Th this, is, this is majority and this is minority. And o o overall, now it's thirty-seven uh, percent. And overall, uh, ethnic minorities make up ten percent of Dutch Parliament. Thank you. 
Um, the research questions of the overall uh, uh, research uh, project are threefold. So uh, I look at descriptive representation, which refers to the numbers of, for instance, women or uh, other social groups in uh, Parliament. And I look at substantive representation, which refers to the actual interest of uh, particular groups. And the first question ask how do institutions influence descriptive representation, such as the electoral system, uh, the institutionalization of feminism and multiculturalism is important for um, this study, civil society and candidate and selection procedures. And the second question asks uh, how, uh, how does ethnic identity influence parliamentary work? So in other words, do ethnic minority MPs take up issues related to ethnic minority <coughs> MPs? And this is, this is an important question for two reasons. First of all, uh, previous gender and politics scholarship uh, has shown that women are, in some cases, more inclined to take up women's issues. Um, but what I've seen so far in the Netherlands is that ethnic minority uh, MPs are in a limbo because on the one hand, they're very attractive for parties because they appeal to uh, an electorate to which parties otherwise don't have access to. But on the other hand, parties want them to represent the whole electorate. So they're, they're wary for, uh, for, for an ethnic um, lobby. So the third question uh, takes the interests as central unit of analysis and ask who claims to represent the interests of ethnic uh, uh, minority citizens. So regardless of ethnicity and regardless of uh, gender. So I'm now just completed my, my research on the first question, and that's what I will be talking about uh, in the remaining part of the presentation. And I will uh, work on the third question during the spring term here at WEP, and I will tackle the second question when I get back in the Netherlands, because I will interview all um, ethnic minorities um, uh, who ever, who ever had a seat in uh, Parliament, and there are around 45 uh, people. What's the difference between an ethnic majority and ethnic minority? Ethnic, uh, ethnic majority are... Ethnic majority is just the dominant. The dominant. Okay. They're, 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 they're white people. And ethnic minority uh, part I'm focusing <coughs> on is are those ethnic minorities who have a non-Western immigrant background. And those groups are most politicized due to uh, migration to the Netherlands. Are you going to restrict your interviews only to the minority MPs, or should you, or could you include the majority MPs just for comparison? Yes, I. Um, what 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 I've done and what I'll present as well uh, is I've uh, I've interviewed party elites, and those are the ethnic majority, so the gatekeepers in recruitment and selection. But for uh, the the in-depth interviews, I will uh, interview only the uh, the ethnic major uh, minorities. But where where I can, I will also compare with the ethnic majority because it's important to um, yeah to see the differences. I have a question on the minorities. Do you disaggregate for the different types of minorities, or you just lump it as one? That's a very good question. Uh, later in the presentation, I will uh, differentiate between between uh, minority groups. Okay.
for the descriptive, um, the, 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 my research on descriptive representation, I focused on uh, political recruitment and uh, selection. And this enables me to ask how are candidates chosen and cultivated for uh, public office and who gains political power and why. And um, scholars who study uh, political re recruitment and selection often make use of the so-called supply and demand model, which is developed by Pippa Norris and Johnny Lewandowski in 1995. And um, the demand side explanation assumed that selectors choose candidates for qualities such as political experience and educational uh, background. And supply side explanations highlight the factors determining the supply of quali qualified and willing applicants who wish to and are available for pursuing a political uh, career. And feminist scholars more recently proposed a revised theory of the supply and demand model <coughs> and emphasized um, how uh, political recruitment and selection is nested in formal and informal institutions. Um, for instance, the regulation of diversity within parties and the influence of informal uh, networks. And my approach is to intersectionalize the supply and demand model and to, to distinguish between uh, different uh, identities. Um, in a very recent paper, Muna Lina Krug and uh, Pipa Norris uh, broke down the selection and uh, recruitment process into three transition phases. Um, and the they are all related, and the first phase refers to uh, the transition from citizens who are eligible uh, to run for office to available aspirants. And aspirants are those citizens that, that, that must believe that they're qualified um, to run for office and that they have to the resource, resources to run for office. And the supply of uh, aspirants depends on social structures such as levels of education and employment. Uh, the second transition phase uh, runs from aspirants to nominees for <coughs> political office. So what matters in this phase are gatekeepers, uh, existing networks of civil society, uh, but also quotas and, for instance, targets play an important role in this uh, transition phase and training programs like uh, the Oval Office, which is um, uh, um, uh, developed here at uh, Web. Those kind of pro uh, programs can make a diff big difference in this uh, phase. And the third transition phase um, is uh, about the smallest group of citizens who are actually um, elected. And crucial in this uh, phase are uh, is support and resources to win for candidates and influential is or, or what, what matters enormously is whether they're placed on a winnable seat or not. And I will go through each of these phases uh, empirically. Before I do that, why the Netherlands? Why is the Netherlands an interesting case to, for um, a study on how political representation of ethnic minorities is gendered? We are a very small country, 16 to 17 million uh, citizens. Uh, in Europe. Um, it's a classical immigration uh, country. In the late 1960s and uh, early 70s, there were, was large-scale um, immigration from countries like Turkey and Morocco. There were labor uh, agreements between those countries and post-colonial um, 
migration from Suriname, uh, the Dutch Indies, and the Antilles. Um, we have a proportional electoral system with preferential voting, and we also have, a, compared to other European countries, a very long history of uh, ethnic minority pol political representation. Like I said, the first ethnic minority took uh, office in 1986, whereas in other um, classical European immigration countries like France and Germany, this only started in the in the 90, late 1990s. So this enables me to look at this over time. What is important to stress in comparison uh, with the US is, well, that we have a very different electoral system and a different way of dealing with diversity, especially in the 1990s. It was policy was in heavily influenced by multiculturalism. Now it moved more towards assimilation. And we also have a very different funding uh, structure. So 50% of the money comes from member fee, uh, 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 membership fees, and donations are strictly regulated. So only a very small part of the income of parties comes from donations. So th this idea of fundraising, which is very important in uh, American politics, is, 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 is not, not, not a part of campaigning uh, in, in the Netherlands. The government subsidizes uh, a large part of the, uh, uh, subsidizes the parties. Um, yeah? evenly when you talk about the government subsidizing I yes just, you know maybe because I'm so um, kind of entrenched in the fundraising model it's hard for me to think about that yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like is everyone evenly given the same amount of money how does that work it, it, it's it's uh, large parties get more money so that's how it's okay. distributed. Okay. Yeah, but it's the same for me. I mean, I'm, I'm learning more and more about American politics, and I realize how much it's about the money, um, and, it, that it <laughs> <laughs> and it produces such a different type of campaign. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. different skills are, uh, are, are looked for for the candidates. So I would imagine it affects the outcome, right, and, and, and how diverse um, uh, the outcome would be. <coughs> that that's what I'm thinking about it like wow if there was a system where everyone got the same amount of money it would look totally different than it does right now um, but no I'm sorry just one background question you're, you're looking back about 30 years or almost 30 years yes and has, has your minority population been fairly stable at least demographically in those three years or is that also evolved um well, the, 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 I will I will get to the the, the types of groups uh, later later in, in in the presentation. But the, the largest groups arrived uh, in the late 1960s and uh, early 1970s, and then there was there there's continuous uh, immigration. There is family reunification and family formation. Um, so it it is continuous, but the large groups, the Turks, Moroccan, Surinamese, and Antillians, they remain the largest uh, in groups. Okay, so the, the, the data I'm uh, using uh, are um, based on 16 in-depth interviews with party elites, so people who are in charge of recruitment and selection, but also the chairs of the women's sections and uh, the, the chairs of, of, or the former chairs on, uh, of the ethnic minority uh, sections. So, so what are these sections? 
those are uh, organizations affiliated with the party. So, so, uh, so, I will so, a, 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 so a, a political party has one section for women and one section for minorities. Some parties do. I will, I, I will show you a table. Like it, it depends on the on on the ideology of the party. Some parties do have women's sections. Others uh, don't. I've analyzed party documents to uh, trace how their recruitment and selection uh, procedures and how they regulate diversity. Uh, I've looked um, with the help of an assistant to the candidates list of nine elections from 86 to 2012 and I've uh, analyzed uh, data on preferential voting for the last uh, elections uh, for 2012 for Turks and uh, Moroccans. So if we look at the first transition phase from eligibility to aspirant, uh, the main uh, criteria is of course uh, having Dutch uh, nationality and there has been uh, a, a, an, an enormous increase of uh, ethnic minorities um, who naturalized in the 1990s um, especially among Turks and Moroccans because na nationality has not been an issue for the post-colonial groups because they already had uh, Dutch nationality um, if we look at the educational level, uh, in 2012, 52% uh, 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 of the uh, ethnic majority um, enro enrolled in BA programs were women, and of the ethnic major minority population, uh, the gender um, uh, imbalance was even um, larger. 54% uh, of all first-year BA students uh, who were ethnic mi minorities were women. So this is a, a pretty high percentage. On the labor uh, market, uh, ethnic um, uh, minorities are disadvantaged compared to ethnic ma uh, majorities. Um, around 51% of ethnic majority minority women, sorry, um, are uh, active on the labor market compared to 64% of the ethnic majority, and it's around 67% of the ethnic minority men are um, active on the labor market compared to 80% uh, of the uh, ethnic majority. If we look at oh, did I? If we look at the um, uh, level of uh, political uh, participation, the data is not perfect. Uh, we only have data for the lo local uh, elections, and there's uh, it's not differentiated for uh, gender. But what is uh, interesting to see is that the turnout, on average, is a little bit lower of ethnic minorities compared to ethnic majorities, around 47%. Um, uh, of the ethnic majority's uh, vote compared to 57% uh, of the ethnic majority. Uh, but differences between ethnic mi minorities are uh, striking. Turkish and Moroccans, uh, their turnout is close to the ethnic majority, around um, uh, 57%, but it's very low among Surinamese and Antillians, around 26% and uh, 80%. So overall, we can see that the pool is getting bigger, but the differences between ethnic groups are, are large. So if we look at the second transition phase from aspirant to uh, candidate, what matters in this phase is how diversity is regulated. Um, what matters is whether um, 
identity networks such as women's sections or ethnic minority sections are uh, available, uh, their impact and whether um, there are quotas or targets. In the Netherlands we don't, do not have uh, legislated quota. So some parties, and I will get to that in the next slide, uh, implemented voluntary targets, but we have no quota. Um, so we, if we look at this um, table, um, we see those are the, the, the parties and those are the, the, the party uh, families, so the ideology from social democrats to green left, Christian Democrats, liberals, right-wing populists, and socialists. And this column over here, women, uh, indicates whether they have a women's section. Ethnic minorities column uh, indicates whether they have a, a section for ethnic minorities. And the last column is an interesting one because that's whether they have or had a section for what they called in the 1990s on their influence of multiculturalism, black, migrant, or refugee women's section. And especially within the Social Democratic Party, they had a very, very strong women's movement. Um, and the, 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 the Social Democratic Feminists, they started this women's section in the 1970s. In 1980, on request of the party, uh, work, working group for ethnic minorities was established, but it was mainly to advise the party on issues related to ethnic minorities. They had no standing whatsoever, and it frustrated them. I've talked to them. And in 1996, on request of the party, uh, a, a multi-ethnic women's network was established. They were highly institutionalized. Um, they were close to the party leadership. They were extremely well organized. They were huge. And at a certain point, they even, for uh, I think for a period of 10 years, they even replaced the, 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 the normal uh, or the, the, the mainstream or, or white, if you will, um, uh, women's uh, section. And most of the ethnic minority MPs who um, represented the Social Democratic Party in Parliament have been affiliated with this section. So they have been incredibly influential f uh, also in, in nominating and lobbying for, uh, for candidates. The Green Left has been established in the 1990s and they also established a women's section then. They also have an ethnic minority network but they are not so active. Um, the Christian Democratic Party had an ethnic minority um, uh, network in the, um, well, it, it was established just after the, the women's section in the 1980s. The women's section is very well institutionalized, uh, but again, the ethnic minority network, they tried to get more influence, but their standing was not the same as the women's network. They also had a working group for black um, migrant and refugee women. Um, they looked at the Social Democratic Party and they saw how successful they were uh, uh, that they, they established the same kind of uh, working group. It was closely related to the women's section, uh, but they have not been so active and so influential as the network within the Social Democratic uh, Party. Um, within the, uh, the this is a small Christian Democratic Party, the Christian Union, they had a women's section. 
um, and they also had a section for multi-ethnic Christians. Uh, they were small. Uh, they have not been very uh, influential, but still, and and and, and they are uh, they dissolved uh, two years ago. Um, the two liberal parties. Uh, one, they don't uh, the the Deze 66. They don't believe in separate section. It's not part of their ideology. So they have they, they it's what they call man's women's human rights organization. Uh, and the Liberal Party, the, the big large Liberal Party, also has a women's section. Started in um, in, uh, in the late uh, 1970s, but the the, the Liberals there. They don't believe in uh, affirmative action, so their the, the, the women's sections do not have. Um, they're they're not highly institutionalized within the party, not as within the Social Democratic Party or in the Green Party. Um, so, if we look at. Um, What I mean is that they have, uh, for instance, that are that are they are represented in the party board, or that they have that they are represented in uh, selection committees, and that they are formalized in a way. It, it, it's about for, that, that they have a formalized voice in the party. Are they created by the bylaws? Is the structure formalized, or, or does the party create them, or does the party? tolerate them at different levels and allow them access into the governance? Or are they created by the bylaws of the party? Well, the 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 women, the, the, the ethnic minority uh, sections, they they were all uh, they were all, yeah they were all created on request of the party. But their 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 standing, as, um, except for the Social Democratic Party, was mainly informal. So they gave informal advice. They did not have a representative within the party board, whereas the women's sections do. They sit at the table, but the ethnic minorities uh, sections, they don't sit at the table, except for this uh, multi-ethnic uh, women's network within the Social Democratic Party. Well, if we look at, um, at the different um, party um, families, um, we see that, um, let me check, that the, 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 the Social Democratic Party, they had this very well institutionalized women's section and, uh, um, and, and, and their uh, gender progressiveness, if you will, it's 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 spilled over to uh, forget to include um, ethnic minorities, and the women's section has been also very influential to lobby for a target for 50% women. For a long time, they uh, used the so-called zipper model on lists of uh, it should be one woman and one man um, uh, on the list, and recently they changed it into uh, cohorts of six. So uh, uh, six candidates of, six of the six candidates, 50% uh, should be uh, women. Um, what we see here is that the parties who have been uh, more open to identity networks that those identity networks of, of women and ethnic minorities, that they also lobbied for other forms of diversity, but that they also lobbied for uh, 
um, uh, targets. And um, there's a target in the Social Democratic Party for gender, for the Green Left, and for the um, uh, Christian Democratic Party. But what we don't see, although the, some parties, um, like the first three, do uh, state that they, that they think that ethnic minorities should be represented equal to the share of the population, no party uh, implemented a tool or a target. So they, 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 they state that it's important to them and it's in their party documents, but they will not institutionalize this. And with, with, with gender within the uh, Social Democratic Party and the Green Left, around 50% of the MPs in Parliament are women, so they really follow up on, on, on gender, but within the Christian Democratic, for uh, Christian Democratic Party, for instance, it's, it's less, so it's more like it's something what we hope, but only if they are available. So the chair of the women's section, for instance, told me that she has these lists ready next to her telephone and that she's calling all the time to, uh, to, to supply the party with uh, names of uh, potential uh, candidates. I'm guessing from this, and you're telling us that 30% of the parliament is women, that the Christian Democrats dominate the are they, they, who's sort of the majority party in the parliament? It, 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 it depends. I'm, I'm looking at it uh, over time. Now it's the Liberal Party. Oh, really? Yeah, and before it was the Christian Democratic Party, and before it was the Social Democratic Party. So it, it's changed. It's, it's different episodes. Uh, just for me to understand um, how this is working, is it correct to say that there's some sort of quota for party lists? I mean, you talked about the super system. It yes. Like it's 50/50. Yes. So, is that true for all parties? No, it's only the Social Democratic Party. Uh -huh. Yeah. So they they have quotas. So only they have quotas, and then but many more have targets. Well, what is the representation yeah. of targets? Is, is that what is gender column is? Is targets? I think that's targets. This is this is this is. It's not a target, it's their aim. It's what they express in their party documents. So they say, well, we think that 50% of all MPs should be represented in Parliament. But then the question is, what do, do, do they do about it? So only the, the, the Social Democratic Party, they, they, they introduced this zipper model and they changed this for this cohort model. So there's a difference between expressing this aim and really uh, implementing a tool. And it's all voluntary, so it's not legislative uh, quota. So if we look at uh, ethnic minority candidates um, on a, on a um, winnable seat, uh, we see that 6% of all candidates in all uh, election uh, years were ethnic minorities. Um, I, do, I did not find over all years uh, a, a difference between um, men and uh, female. Uh, the percentages are uh, on a winnable uh, seat, um, but on average, and I also made a distinction between uh, a, gray, uh, a gray position on the list and an unwinnable position on the list. So winnable is defined as uh, calculated as the number of seats a party had the session before. Gray is half of that, plus the um, the, the seats a party had in the session before, and unwinnable um, is um, is the rest. 
and if we look at the ethnic minority um, candidates on a, a winnable um, position by gender, we see that um, that in the latest two session it equals up. So there was this gender imbalance between 98 and um, uh, 2006, and then from uh, 2010 and uh, 2012, um, it, uh, it, it became um, less. And part of that is, I think, that um, in the early years it was mainly the first generation of ethnic minorities, so they were born abroad, but the last um, elections um, was the first uh, election <coughs> round in which 50% of all uh, ethnic minority candidates belong to the second generation. So there's a generational change, and with this generational change, there are more um, ethnic minority men. So, so, so ethnic minority women, women lost their uh, advantage over ethnic minority men. On the previous slide, was it ethnic minority women plus other women? Was it are women all kind of like bundled together, or is this just a representation of ethnic minority women? Only ethnic minorities. Okay, got this it. only ethnic minorities. Um, if we look. Completely shifted. The advantage was for the women, and now it has leveled out. Do you think it's only because of uh, demographic issues? No, it's not demographic. No, it's about the identity networks. This is mainly due to the multi ethnic women's section within the Social Democratic Party. The Social Democratic Party was strong in these years. They had a strong multi -ethnic, uh, ethnic women's section, and there was this idea of multiculturalism. So women, they, they, they could use these feminist structures, it worked very well for them. So affirmative action works? It's yeah, it, 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 it worked, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but what you're really saying is affirmative action was effective when aligned with political expediency for that party to implement that to gain seats due to the demographics, as opposed to ideology. Could you repeat? I, I don't think I understood your question. No, it's it, it, it's not it's not an affirmative action in the sense that they um, that no, it's in not the a social democratic party's multi ethnic unit. Yes, I believe you're telling us that the party was strong. Yes, that the party viewed this as a benefit to them because of the demographic that by having minority women, they felt that putting women in winnable seats who were ethnic minorities, they would then win those seats. They felt it was good politics. They were not all placed on a winnable seat, but they liked to show that their party was progressive, right. and they, uh, the, the Social Democratic uh, Party was, for, for many years, it, it's changing now recently, but for many years it was the most popular party among ethnic uh, minorities. So they had something to gain. Yeah, Absolutely. Which is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So most ethnic minorities represented the Social Democratic Party. This is the highest percentage. And then comes the Green Left. Yeah. And th th that. But, but did you say that um, the 
<clears throat> the party had an electoral advantage by putting up minority women, or that they just had an electoral advantage by putting up minority candidates. I, I, I understood you to be saying they had an elected electoral advantage by putting up minority candidates. Yes, yes. But it was the internal politics. Yes, yes. Of this exactly, exactly. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. And had nothing to do with electoral advantage, the gender composition. Yes, yes, right. yes, okay. yes. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. Um, what is interesting, if we look at the parental uh, country of origin or the country of origin of the candidates, most candidates come from Turkey, then from Morocco, then from Suriname. So those are the largest um, um, uh, immigrant groups in, in the Netherlands. If we look at the t uh, Turkish uh, candidates, we see that 23 uh, candidates uh, were male, 31 were female, so women had an advantage. Among Moroccans, they don't have that advantage. Uh, 26 uh, are men, 18 are women. And among the Surinamese, it's there where there is a huge gender balance. So it's only six men and it's 25 uh, women. And this also um, can be explained by the fact that the Social Democratic Party was very popular among Surinamese. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting uh, question, and... Um, but I think, Kathleen, wasn't that what Jenny just said, that it seems like the Social Democratic Party has two objectives. They actually believe in gender equality, meaning so that's they favor women over men, because they believe in equality, but then the Surinamese, that's an electoral advantage argument, I, I inferred from your... Th that's one explanation, but also this multi-ethnic women's oh, network. Right. It, was the Sur it was the Surinamese women who were so active and leading uh, in, in, uh, in these networks. So, Did you say the, the Social Democratic Party was the one that had effective quotas? Yes, 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 okay. yes, yes. I think maybe, maybe one thing to add to the Dutch version. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to give a little context, maybe, maybe it's a little hard to understand, but political parties are so dominant in the Netherlands that you need to make a career within a political party in order to get on the list. And such a political career can take 10, 15 years in order to get into parliament. And I think what happens in, within many parties, there's much, uh, such a thing like a women's network or a gender network, is that minorities are interested, then go to the political party and see that the culture of that political party is heavily dominated by the majority, and it turns them, turns them off. So they never make it to the top of the party. And I think the, the Social Democrats are these exceptions, this exception, because they had this network in which minority women felt comfortable. Yeah, and all overall um, uh, recruitment and also nominating, it, it happens within those networks. Those uh, networks are incredibly um, important for identifying potential candidates and grooming uh, um, candidates for um, for office, but also lobbying for a win winnable position on the list. And the, 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 the impact or the success in this lobbying depends on their level of institutionalization. So within the Social Democratic Party, they were highly institutionalized, but not in <coughs> other parties. Yes? Is there anything that's uh, in somewhat institutionalized to reach uh, younger generations of uh, <coughs> when you're in schools? 
how did these networks tie back to school systems and kind of groom the next generations to think they can even have these kinds of roles? Um, you mean if you think in terms of the supply of uh, of, of, of of candidates? Well, the the, the 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 overall climate has changed so much. So multiculturalism dom doesn't dominate uh, policy regarding immigrants uh, and ethnic minorities anymore. And those networks, those specific uh, networks for ethnic minority women, they don't exist anymore. Uh, uh, but overall, I think what is important is that we have role models in, uh, in Parliament and many women, and I, I believe that that makes a difference. Um, it is not your primary question, but um, obviously in Europe and you know, many other parts of the world, this question of is it quotas or is it networks mm -hmm. is a big question. And I, your numbers are small, but given that the networks were introduced at different times and the quotas, yeah. that quota was only one you told me. Uh, is also probably not introduced at the same time. Maybe it is at the same time. It's exactly the same time you can't look at it. But I'm wondering whether the time of introduction could help you shed some light on that big question uh -huh. that's out there where some argue just put, you know, enable women to succeed, put yeah. the works in and everything yeah. to take care of itself, and others say, no, 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 we need quotas. Mm -hmm. Maybe you could speak to that. Yeah. Well, it was a slow process within the Social Democratic Party. So they started in the uh, in the 1980s with 25%, and then it was 30%, and then it was 50% uh, already for a long uh, time. But I think that the, 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 the fact that it has been such, such a shift to uh, that, that, that there was a so, so all of a sudden, increase of ethnic minorities in Parliament, not only within the uh, Social Democratic Party, but also in other parties, was that there? Uh, it was coincided with a change in immigration and integration policies in the Netherlands. So there was this realization that immigrants would not return to their countries of origin, but they that they would stay, that they would naturalize, and that they would uh, become active in politics, and that that would that they would be interesting uh, um, part of the uh, electorate. Okay. Um, so finally, um, I've looked at uh, preferential voting of Turkish and Moroccan uh, candidates uh, in 2012, and uh, it appears that it is preferential votes are rarely so numerous that uh, a candidate automatically becomes uh, elected because they uh, need to receive a minimum of uh, over 15,000 uh, preferential votes. Um, but what we ca what we do see is that you prefer need to explain what a preferential vote is to the American Okay. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, we have 115 uh, uh, seats in um, Dutch uh, parliament and the, um, the um, so that there there are lists and the order of the list um, determines who become, gets a seat in Parliament. So the order is predetermined. And um, do you have a question? Uh, um, is the country divided up in, into legislative districts of each no. district? Oh. No, no. Oh, so so the whole country elects the whole. Right, right, one right, big right, wow. right. Right. So you have persons, a list, with, uh, with what, what, uh, one, one until fifty candidates for each party. For 
Yeah, well, it depends. Large parties have a, have a larger list, and small parties parties have a smaller uh, list. So How many candidates does each so each voter has one kind of choice. You got to elect one one person. Oh, you only elect one, one person. Okay. But and you that is the preferential. Yeah, that's the preferential vote. So you, you you could vote for, if you think, well, I would like to vote for a woman, for instance, uh, and this particular woman, and she's on number 15, you cross 15. Uh, if that woman on number 15 gets a lot of votes, over 15,000, 15, 15,000, 15. 15, yeah. Okay. So this doesn't happen so often. But what does happen is that preferential voting that it that it changes the order of the list. Next time. No. 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 Yes. Yes. So after the election results. No, and you can either choose a party or you can do a preferential vote. No, it's the same. So 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 you have a list per party, and and you vote for a party, and within that that list for the party, you can you can opt for a candidate. But you don't have to. You have to, yeah. You have no choice. You you cannot just vote for a party. You have to select a candidate. Yeah, exactly. So it's two so, things. the order is not all that important. The order is very important. It's very important because it determines we'll get we'll get we'll, 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 uh, um, get gets a seat in parliament. So the number one always uh, get, gets a seat in parliament. It, it, it preferential voting starts to matter mm -hmm. in between the winnable and the gray uh, uh, position. So people who are not not on a completely safe position on the list. That's where prefer preferential voting can make a difference, but it doesn't happen so often because you need to get to, to gain a lot of votes to become automatically. Uh, but the party determines the rank order. Yes, yeah, so what happens is that members can apply to a selection committee and then the parties, they, um, they design a list and uh, with order, but on the party congress, the members have to vote, so they have to confirm the order, but the party predetermines the order. And it's, I mean, sometimes there are changes made due to lobbying of uh, identity sections, but the party still is very, very important. It has become more democratic over the years, but the party still is very important in determining uh, the position on the list. Um, so I've looked at uh, preferential votes gained by Moroccan and Turkey's um, uh, candidates, and the majority of the candidates received uh, preferential uh, votes. Um, none of them became automatically um, elected. Um, so ethnic minority voters in the Netherlands, they previously, they favored an ethnic minority candidate, but this is, this is declining. So ethnic minorities are starting to, to, to vote also for uh, ethnic majority uh, candidates. Turkey's um, uh, uh, origin candidates are less often uh, placed on a winnable position than uh, Moroccan candidates. And they seem to realize this very well um, because they um, received twice as many preferential votes that, uh, than uh, Moroccan um, candidates. And they uh, organized um, uh, very effective campaigns, which explains why 
they received so many ref preferential uh, votes. So they campaigned in all uh, um, kinds of Turkey's uh, migrant organizations across uh, the country. Uh, both Turkey's uh, uh, man and Moroccan man, they received more preferential votes than Turkey's and Moroccan women. And this can be explained by the fact that these candidates, they campaigned within migrant organizations, and those migrant organizations are male-dominated. So consequently, they receive uh, less votes. There has been um, an exception in um, 2006. That's uh, a Turkish origin uh, candidate for the Liberal Party, Fatma Kaya. And it was an interesting uh, episode because in 2006, there was the, uh, the, uh, a debate about the Armenian genocide and whether uh, this, this, this should be recognized as a genocide or not. And some parties pushed their uh, Turkey's um, candidates to speak out. They, they thought that they, they, they forced them to uh, recognize the Armenian uh, genocide. And there have been some candidates within the Christian Democratic Party and the Social Democratic Party who said, well, I don't recognize the Armenian genocide for a number of uh, reasons, so they followed the vision of uh, of Turkey, of their pr former uh, homeland, and the parties kicked them out. So what happened was that uh, the Turkish organizations across the Netherlands, they organized the boycott of the Social Democratic Party and the uh, Christian Democratic Party, and they all they mobilized their rank and file to vote for this candidate who was from the Liberal Party. So this is an example of an extremely, uh, that, that, that ideology doesn't matter, but that ethnic uh, voting um, matters uh, most. So to conclude, uh, there is an increase of eligible um, citizens, so there is more supply. Um, ideology and the availability of networks um, and the impact of these networks are important for the demand parties have for ethnic minority uh, candidates uh, and list positioning is crucial for uh, uh, if, if they are uh, elected or not it, 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 uh, and, and, and parties remain the most influential gatekeepers in this uh, process overall um, over uh, and over time, uh, we can see that gender progressiveness spills over to other forms of diversity. Um, the gender um, imbalance was due to uh, robust uh, feminist um, women's sections, and they pushed, pushed for these um, targets, and they uh, created this whole di discussion within the party about uh, diversity, and they also paved the way for uh, candidate recruitment, nomination, and uh, lobbying. Regardless of ideology, parties are very wary for an ethnic lobby, and that's also why these ethnic uh, networks, ex uh, ex except for this um, uh, multi-ethnic women's network within the Social Democratic Party, were lowly uh, institutionalized. So ethnicity seems to be less politicized in combination with uh, gender and maybe a, a trump card uh, instead. Um, and if we look at the general factors that are expected to advance women, like leftist ideology and civil society, we see that leftist ideology uh, in general works for ethnic minority representation, but that civil society networks and 
particularly those networks within the parties work for ethnic mon minority women, but not for ethnic minority uh, men. Now, uh, the past years, those networks have disappeared, uh, and ethnic minority candidates more and more seem to be assimilated into mainstream political culture and party uh, structures. And the advantage of ethnic minority women also disappeared. But still, roughly 50% of um, all uh, ethnic minorities uh, in parliament are women, so the gender gap is still smaller than uh, among the ethnic uh, majority. So I've um, co-edited um, a dialogue section of a new journal, uh, Politics, Groups, and Identity, last year. If you want to read more about this uh, research agenda, and uh, earlier this year I published a paper on quota and intersectionality uh, with um, three colleagues in International Political uh, Science Review. So for further reading, I thank you very much. story seems to depend on this feminist refugee migrant network. Mm -hmm. um, and so could you tell us a little bit more about how it emerged, why the Surinese women were so prominent in it? Was it just an accident or were there some structural causes to it? And then a little bit more about why it disappeared. You said, well, multiculturalism is kind of passe. Mm -hmm. um, but could you put some flesh on that? Mm -hmm. that so emerged why the Serenians women and um, why, yeah. why it declined. It emerged uh, on the request of the of the party leadership. So they wanted more um, ethnic minorities uh, within the party. They wanted to appeal to the ethnic minority vote, and um, they it, it was their request. And they um, approached. The, the women's section to um, to help creating it. Why there are, uh, are so many Surinamese within this network, I think this uh, can be explained by the fact that the Social Democratic Party has been very popular among Surinamese. So, um, and this, go this goes back for, for since the 1970s. So I think that's the main explanation for that. And why it disappeared is that the Social Democratic Party says, well, we have did so well with uh, ethnic minority women, we don't need it anymore. So diversity is within the genes, uh, genes of the party. So that's why they dissolved it and they replaced it for uh, a, a general uh, women's network. So the, both the emergence and the decline you attribute pretty much completely to the party leadership itself. Yes. Um, no autonomous forces in the society, no kind of feminist movements, or nothing. It's interesting. Okay. No, I think most people I spoke to, I mean, this is still an ongoing project, so maybe I'll find other answers. But so far, most of the the, the, the people I spoke with uh, from the Social Democratic Party, they seem to confirm that, like, we're so diverse, we don't need it anymore. It's in our DNA. I think the extreme right has been has become pretty popular and also had a big influence on the whole political system in the Netherlands. So if any political party frames itself too much as a pro-minority party, then they will immediately be attacked by the right. And I think because you know the social democratic the social democratic party and the socialist party 
also kind of have a populist wing. They want to um, to also get a lot of folks from low-income families. They are especially like attracted to the far right as well, and they don't want to lose votes to the extreme right. So I think almost every political party is now much more cautious of portraying itself as a pro-minority party. I think that played a role over the last. Yeah, years. the political landscape definitely uh, changed. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But and it coincides with this backlash of multiculturalism. That those two go hand in hand. So an increase of conservative parties and a, a, a very strong uh, right-wing populist party, together with the decline backlash of uh, multiculturalism. Yeah, absolutely. Another question about the preferential list. Mm -hmm. To me, it seems like um, a key way for the parties to signal. Like the types of voters that they want to get out of the demographics by putting a woman or a, um, a minority candidate higher in a winnable position. Have you found, I mean, you mentioned this with like the difference between Moroccans and yes. Turkish ones. Yes. Have you found that that's been a trend since they started the networks and has it changed in terms of like signaling we want to get your vote so we're going to put this candidate higher? Yeah. Uh, in, 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 the, in the 1980s and the, the early 90s, the, the, the way many ethnic minorities uh, uh, took office, got a seat in parliament because they replaced someone. So they were, they were not listed on a winnable position, but they, they got their seat into parliament because, for instance, one of the party members became a minister or maybe some, some, some died or went on maternity leave. So positions, seats became available. And that's how, how many ethnic minority uh, MPs in the late 1980s until the mid-1990s gained their seat in parliament. Uh, but this changed in the late 1990s. Then uh, there, there were a number of candidates who were listed very, very high. The, the, uh, the labor market uh, participation is the highest of Surinamese compared to uh, ethnic minority women, but also they do also better than on the labor market than ethnic majority women, and it's exactly yeah they do better yeah, and exactly for the, uh, for the reason uh, you're you're saying, but so so this 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 may be indeed may be one explanation, but also the ethnic minority men their organization and they had a working group within the social democratic party but they 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 the um 
they try to, to influence the party, they try to uh, sit at the table, they try to be represented within the leadership, but they, they didn't manage. So it, 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 it rather seems to me that parties are so, they, they are very afraid for an ethnic lobby. So they don't ethnic want... Men. Yes, so, yep. Men, Absolutely, yeah. But so, are you saying that the the party leadership didn't go with this, with the ethnic organization dominated by men, but went to the more feminist yes. organization? Yes. Because the more feminist organization, the way the women organized it was multi. Yes. And it was was created. This was among many many ethnic groups. Yes. So they had a greater appeal, or at least that that way of organizing things had a greater appeal to the party leadership yeah. than a single ethnicity yeah. organization. It, it was not a single ethnicity. Exactly. So both. So that's why, that's, but why didn't, they, why didn't the men, I mean, in other words, why didn't the uh, party leadership turn to one of the ethnic male-dominated groups and say, listen, if you guys get together with other ethnicities, we'll promote you. Mm -hmm. Why did they use the women as the organizing uh, feature? Why, why, did, why did the party leadership try to create a special organization that was primarily women? Mm -hmm. Was it to get to, was it a twofer? In other words, you, you've got women and a necessity sure. at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, absolutely. I think you need to kind of explore the motivations yeah. of yeah. the party leadership. Mm -hmm. what, what do they yeah. have? Yeah. Uh, what are they aiming at? Mm -hmm. What, what, what <coughs> yeah. good does this do to them? Yeah. No, this was absolutely like, at, it, it shows their progressiveness if they have uh, women and ethnic minorities. And for them, this, this uh, being progressive and being uh, uh, to accommodate ethnic minorities, uh, to appeal to this uh, uh, part of the electorate was very important, was and is very important for them. Just uh, drawing a connection, you were inviting connections back to the US. Yes. Um, and looking at gender uh, intersectionality between gender and minority status, but in the U.S. we have different um, gender, gender, stere or gender stereotypes are moderated by ethnicity in the U.S. So there's, remember there's some interesting work in the Journal of Social Issues where they showed that like st gender stereotypes applied to Hispanics are more similar to the gender stereotypes applied to whites or European Americans in the sense that they expect men to be head of the household and women to be in caregiving types of jobs, mm -hmm. but then they expect African-American women, and maybe also they would project this onto Caribbean-American women, that they're more likely to be the heads of households, and that they're kind of more competent and functional, and uh, higher status in essence than the black, I'll just call them black men, because mm -hmm. my guess is it would be projected onto Caribbean-Americans. There's not a lot of nuance in, the, in their research on that dimension. but. Um, you know, it, could there be also within your group some, I mean, going to this point here, going that, that was made earlier here, some variation in the gender, type, gender stereotyping or gender role assignments within Moroccans as opposed to Sur Surinamese and Turks? Do you know what I mean? Could it look, could, I mean, could some of that also be playing a role? 
I I don't. It, it, it's a good question. I didn't study this mm -hmm. yet, so I have to be careful with my with my answer here. Is what you see is that the profile of those candidates who are placed on a winnable position, uh, they all have a university degree. They're around uh, 39 years old. Um, they. Um, they are, in that sense, their profile is very, it, it's almost the same as ethnic majority candidates. So in that sense, they don't differ so much. But you might be able to get at Hannah's question, if you differentiate, if you do what you just described, buy your three phases, mm -hmm. you know, what does the supply look like in the first phase? We have all these educated mm -hmm. and in the workforce, certain yeah. women, you know, when do we see the drop off? Is it the selection phase? Mm -hmm. Is it the eligibility yeah. phase? So, yeah. is it pipeline argument or is yeah. it this stereotype they're not selected? Mm -hmm. But I think you mm -hmm. can do that by phase, maybe, yeah. and get some sense of mm -hmm. you know when these two differences emerge. Yeah, yeah. And, and you, you talked kind of globally about the gendering, but my recollection from your slide where you had the thing is that it was really the Surinamese women, it was Surinamese um, candidates yeah. who were really out of whack, and then yes. it was a little bit more. Maybe it was competitive, or with the, the the Moroccan and the Turkish examples were sort of comparable with the um, hmm. the majority. What are you referring to as the ethnic majority? Mm -hmm. um, the the other thing that'd probably be really interesting to break. I don't really understand. Are all are more or less most of these people? It'd be kind of cool if you presented your data where your bars also showed party. Mm -hmm. You know, because you, you you present you know, so it's really hard to tell to what extent this effect. You know, you're telling us this is mostly social democrat, but it'd be, it'd be really cool if somebody could look, you know, if you look at the charts and actually see, you know, eyeball yeah. where this is coming sure. from. Yeah. So it seems like... Yeah, I, I have figures by party in another uh, mm -hmm. paper. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I have the, the data, yeah, yeah, to visualize that. This quick question, is the decline or the dissolving of the minority, um, ethnic minority, is that correlated with their di diminishment in the elections more recently, like in their decline in national power? Yes. Yes. Well, it's a good point. Getting at the mm -hmm. cause of like fine-tuning the causality of it. Mm -hmm. Then there's a story like that could be made that oh look we're declining in power here. We yes. have to change this ethnic argument. It's actually the opposite. What you said the ethnic card is not working. Absolutely, the party, the party shrink, uh, shrink. But I've also looked at sizes of parties. So you intuitively, when I started this research, I thought, well, the big parties they are probably more diverse than the small parties. But that's not the case. So the Green Left is a very small party, but they're extremely diverse. And also the Liberal Party is also a small party, but it's also uh, pretty diverse if you look at the at, at the. Uh, ethnic background of the of the candidates. 
I can imagine, I don't know when this happened, this dissolvement of the, this ethnic committee. But the Social Democrats, they were pretty big in the last election. They became second, almost won the elections. So again, and they all, I think they got the, uh, I don't know what percent of the minority votes they got, but I can imagine it's way more than 50%, like all minorities vote for the Social Democratic Party. So again, no? Not anymore, no. no there, not anymore. Th there, there's a change. So uh, especially in the in 1990s, uh, ethnic minorities were more inclined to vote for ethnic minorities, but the numbers are dropping. Yeah, very recently, I think, right? Or is, is this something yeah. that happened over the last decade? Well, the, 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 past, the past two elections, I think. Sorry, you had a question? Yes. Um, I was wondering how you frame um, one of the things you said in the, at the very beginning about an educational level, right? Where there's actually ethnic minority women are marked by a higher higher educational level than ethnic minority men, and it's quite a marked difference, right? Yes. I was wondering how that ties in with the whole story, because I understand very much from your presentation that really the significant factor here are the networks within yes. the parties. Yes. But still, I was wondering maybe that also ties in with the question what you were saying about stereotypes. Because uh -huh. speaking from the Belgian situation, the stereotype about some of the ethnic minority men is really it's a lost generation. Yes. Dropouts from the school, lost generation. And the stereotype about the ethnic minority women is like they focused on their studies and they're smart and mm -hmm. they're out there. So even though it's the networks that were the important factor, these yeah. stereotypes circulate, right? So how do you tie that in? Yeah, so, so educational level, it, it increases the supply um, of, of, of potential um, aspirants. Um, if we look at the stereotypes, uh, this is something I, I need to study more. Um, but there, I, what, I, what I'm seeing so far is that, especially first generation of uh, ethnic minority men, and especially those with a Muslim background, that they have difficulties to get into Parliament because the second generation does much better. And this second generation of ethnic minority men, they're less tied to all these migrant organizations. So first generation men, they dominate these migrant organizations, but women, were not they were not part of that leadership. But the second generation, they're not, they're not, they're, they're more assimilated, so they, they, they became more white, they, they 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 showed less ethnic identification. This is fascinating. Thank you so much. Congratulations! This is our last seminar of the semester. We'll look forward to reconvening. I believe uh, beginning of February, right? Yes. First week of February. So when the semester begins again. Thank you all very much.